This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Steve. And, you know, I think we got a lot of good running stuff to talk about, but right at the top of the show, I just want to bring up, I feel like we're letting it go by the wayside here. Uh, A couple episodes ago, you said on air that if we get a certain amount of iTunes reviews, you would get a tattoo. And I just, I don't want this. I know we forget about a lot of things. I know we don't do a lot of things with podcasts. This is something I think I kind of want to keep at the, at the, you know, the front of our eyes here, make sure we remember it. So I'm going to bring it up every couple episodes, make sure people are getting those oh, iTunes well, reviews. Let's, there because let's dive into I, it. I wanna, yeah, sure. Let's dive Let, into let's, it. So let's, let's introduce our, our third co-host here and let's dive into it because we kind of buried it at the bottom of last episode. So I do want to, I do want to talk about it at the top of the show. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I feel like Mike just squashed, you know, everything I was about to say. I was excited to go and, like, tell you guys about my afternoon. Uh, but I'm not going to because it would sidetrack us too much. I'll save it for the end of the episode. Let's dive into the tattoo because I love where your head's at, Mike. Let's make sure that's front and center for everybody. Yeah, Listen, just, we can't, I'm not we trying can't to hide let this it. go by the wayside. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm going to put it out there right now. So, like I said, I said it in my bell lap at the bottom of last Last week's episode, I looked at the reviews. A couple people listened to it. And a couple people went and put in a review. But I said, you know, it's it's a little less than a month to my birthday at this point. My birthday is November 9th. And so we have about a month here. And what I, what I said at the bottom of last episode, I said, if we get to 250 reviews on iTunes by my birthday, I will get a tattoo. And what you, what you need to do is in the reviews, put your ideas for a P2E related tattoo, anything, it could be anything, we, something we talk about on the podcast, it could be a logo, it could be whatever. But if you put your ideas for a P2E related tattoo in the review, Mike and Trent are going to comb through the reviews and they get to decide what I get put on my body forever, permanently. Trent, do you have any, do you have any good, have you been brainstorming any good tattoo ideas for Steve? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to, uh, you know, write my own review, how I'm going to give it to people to, to review. Um, I don't want to give any like specific ideas away yet, but I'm definitely thinking something about a disputed, you know, two mile champ and like, you know, <laughs> that would be a good I, I actually lost a Trent in the two mile or, or something like that could be my leading contender right now. Yeah. I don't want to steer anybody into, you know, how, what they're going to write in their review, but if someone thought it would be funny to like incorporate your mustache into the tattoo, <laughs> that might be funny too. Yeah. Can I just correct myself too? I the two miler, I, I easily won. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about not the, the mileage not challenge. Not according to the voting system. That's right. That's right. No, no, the mileage challenge. That's yeah. that's what he got confused. There's too many events uh, that we got too much going on. Running. But the mustache is a great idea as well. Like a mustache, just like over Miller Lite with like a podcast like microphone. Mm. I don't know how you put that in a review. Is that? Can we go over the rules here? Like if I describe, you know, a picture in the review, yeah. does that count or does it have to be words? Yeah, you could even say, I'm describing a picture right now. Or you could say, put these words on Steve's body. <laughs> However you want to do it. Just make it clear. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think we need to, 
revolutionize the people. Make sure we get enough iTunes reviews so that these great ideas that we're definitely not telling you to write in the reviews come to fruition here. And the other thing is like, listen, people have submitted reviews. Some people don't have iTunes. They got, you know, the Androids or whatever people are using other than iPhones. But how many people in your life do you know that own an iPhone? How many people in your life do you know that have an iTunes account? Tell those people, take their phone for one second and give us a five-star review and write in a tattoo idea. Too many people Easy. with iPhones. Yeah, too many people with iPhones. You can ask me. I can tell you everyone's got a stupid iPhone out there and they give me shit for not having an iPhone. So I, oh, yeah. I can attest that literally everyone in the planet seems to have a freaking iPhone. I would say at least specifically on this podcast, there are not enough iPhones. There's one, one yeah. too few iPhones on this podcast. When I, when I learned that our uh, group text messages were going to be in green bubbles, we almost found a new co-host. I, I uh, can't handle it. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so w- we also have another piece of housekeeping here at the top of the show. We got our virtual team race coming up in November. And so a video is going to be launching on the day that this podcast drops, describing kind of the rules. And we'll keep you updated every single week on the Instagram, on the podcast of what's going on. But just to give a quick rundown again of what's going to happen is it's going to be teams of three. So you sign up with two teammates and every Monday in November, we're going to randomly draw a distance to race that week. It could be anywhere in between a mile to a half marathon, everything in between. And so what you need to do, what your, what your team needs to do is you pick one person, you can discuss, you can figure it out, strategy, whatever, pick one person to race that randomly selected distance and submit a time for that week. But once that person races, they can't race again into the series finale in the last week of November. And so we'll do that for three weeks. And then in the last week of November, everybody on your team is going to race an 8K or run an 8K time. Those times are going to be combined into one time for your final score. And we're going to have a scoring system throughout the month. We're going to, it's, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. And we're going to give prizes to everybody that beats these three washed up bums. And it's going to be age and gender graded. So everybody has a chance to beat us. Which, so I um, started getting back into training uh, yesterday. Um, so I'm two days into my training cycle. Um, yeah, I would just say you have a pretty good ch- chance at that prize. <laughs> we got we to gotta start game planning, guys. We got to make sure we don't come in last year. I mean, like, what is our strategy for that, the first distance? You know, who's, who's going well, for short if it's a so, mid, if it's a long? Actually, yeah, that's a good point. So maybe this should be off air, but we'll just go for it. There's definitely strategy to this, right? Like, should oh, yeah. one of us be training for, like, the mile? And should oh, one yeah. of us be training for the half marathon, right? Like, should, is is that how this should be going down right now? Because if well, I'm training for a half marathon, I got some serious work to do right now. <laughs> well, that's how you what should if- be building your team. You should be building somebody that you should have somebody on your team. That's a little bit quicker for the shorter stuff. You should have somebody a little bit more capable for the, for the long stuff. But the great equalizer is at the end of the day, at the end oh, of the, at the point. end of the, at the end of the competition, everybody's got to race an AK. So it's going to be all over the place. But so is, is that the strategy? Should we just train for the AK or I got the strategy right here. We go all in on the short distances, right? We just hope that it's just like half mile, mile, and two mile are the only ones. And we just like dedicate ourselves to the mid distances. What do you guys think? I mean, I'm in for that because I'm kind of short on time here. You know what my strategy is? To start training, period. 
I'm going yeah, on I mean, like that was three months for anything. Running, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I might have a stress fracture. So this could be interesting. So, you know, everybody's got a really significant chance to beat us, but I'm going to power through. I'm going to race it no matter what. Um, and the, the other thing I wanted to talk, Oh, and like I said, we have some cool prizes coming. So you, you, you're going to want to sign up. It's free. You know, you're going to want to get the, you, if you beat us, you're going to want to want this, this free prize is pretty cool. But the other thing I wanted to talk to you, you guys about and tell the listeners a little, a little bit about how the sausage is made. So last week, and, and these guys don't know I'm going to talk about this. So last week I sent out a script for Mike and Trent to read. And if you go on our Instagram and you watch the video, I kind of like cut it up. We're all saying different stuff, explaining the rules of this competition. And so I sent out a script and it took me like six days to get these guys to like read the script on cram- on camera and send it to me so I could chop it up. And let me tell you what, the product I got from Trent and Mike was absolutely horrendous. I mean, it was the most pathetic attempt. And if you go in, if you go in, you can kind of see, and you can kind of see like what I'm talking about. So I had to chop it up. And when you see Mike and Trent talk in this video, I had to go through each of their video and pull the only usable lines from the entire video. So I had to say, okay, I'll, you know, Mike said this. All right. Trent said this. Okay. And so I guess I'll fill in the gap in between those two, but guys, it was absolutely terrible. What you sent me, Trent, like you, you were like a robot, no emotion, Mike, I had you redo it and you didn't even fix what I told you to redo. You kept, you kept, you kept reading a line and before the line was over looking down at your notes. So there wasn't a single line I could use without you looking at your notes. No, so that, that's ridiculous. The last one I sent to you, I made a point, and I would say the line, and I would just <laughs> stare could... into, I would stare into the camera for like two seconds, and then I would go to my notes. You can I sent look you at the like video four videos. I'll look at the. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you looked at my last one because my last one I was <laughs> I so to. obnoxious about. And the other thing is, Steve, you wrote the damn script. So this to the people i mean this wasn't like you know five sentences here that we had like he said this is a freaking novel that he wrote so like obviously it's gonna be a little bit easier for him i'm sitting here having to read a freaking harry potter book in front of a camera like yeah it's ridiculous it's a ridiculous you all you needed to do was look at the line read the line look at the camera say the line look back read another sentence say that sentence at the camera that's all you needed to do this is the writer, the director, the producer. You know, it doesn't come out as well as he hoped, and he just blames it on the actors. But I should say, I'm a, I'm a podcaster. I'm not an actor. What can I say? Yeah, I mean, I'm an off-script kind of guy. There, there's, there's, you can go watch the video. Everybody better go watch this video after we talk about it for 20 minutes. But there's one, there's one, there's one part where it's like, it, we had like, you know, how do you win a prize, you ask? And Trent says that, and it's like, it's like the Amron Burgundy. And it's just like, you're just like staring at the camera and you're like, how do you win a prize, you ask? It was so bad, Trent. But I had to use it. There was no, <laughs> I had to use it. It was the only only halfway decent clip. That was like my fourth take at it too. I mean, <laughs> that was like, I had been working at it all afternoon and I finally got Trent, that out I, to you. Trent, I for one thought you did a great job. Listen, I scrapped it together. I pulled it together and, you know, it's it, the final product is is doctored up and it looks nice and you should go check it out. But I just had to bring that up. All right, Mike, let's kick off the running news. All 
All right. So first piece of news here. Um, yeah, this one's just coming in breaking. Uh, we had, it wasn't on the show notes, but I literally just got an update here. Uh, this news story is Trent is back on his absolute grind with wearing ridiculous outfits. I mean, <laughs> holy crap. What that are you wearing? The, <laughs> that might be the worst outfit I have ever oh seen. Oh my, my goodness, Trent. Life. That is just not good. It's Boys, just not it took, good. It took me a while to settle in, right? I, I was moving apartments. I like tried to buy this new like closet furniture thing. I couldn't get, you know, the right whatever closet rod so i was living out of a cardboard box for a while so all my good stuff was kind of pushed to the bottom i am settled in my new apartment now all my clothes are just fully at my you know disposal here it's just to wear whenever i want to match with my ties and i think i did a pretty good job today trent does I, anybody say anything at work when you walk in looking like that does anybody say anything they say trent damn you look good today what a killer shirt tie combination i i literally the sentence was not coming out of my mouth. I was going a completely different direction, but I just saw your tie for the first time like 45 seconds ago, and I couldn't – I had to stop my thoughts immediately, and I needed to talk about it. I mean, for so the you people have, at home. So, so we got like, we got like, a, we got a, like a, a, a pastel blue and yellow striped shirt. And like lime green. It's, it's like got some – yeah, It's a plaid. Oh, it's like Easter shirt. threw up on a plaid shirt. And then you got a maroon tie with some sort of design on it. What is yeah, it? There's some, there's some birds on it. There's something birds else. It's it. like some sort of crest with a with an anchor. Uh, but the the gold, the gold mat brings out the yellow in the shirt. The red contrasts nicely with the colors, Not the Easter nicely. colors, definitely the, the contrasts, and the the crest. You know, it's like the polka dot kind of style, which works well with a plaid, if you ask me. Ben, I, you know, I don't I don't want your your look to monopolize every podcast we ever do. We didn't talk about it enough last episode. But, you know, you cleaned up your hair. You had some crazy hair going for a while. You got that sharp looking hair. Looks like a professional. The minute you get below the hair, it just everything goes to hell. The mustache and the beard is still there. It does not match the the hair game. And then you just get down to the shirt and tie. And I mean, if I was your boss, I would ask you to leave the second you walked in looking like that. So <laughs> I've. I've just like slowly pushed, I feel like the boundaries on it where I did go a little more conservative in the beginning. And now I think I'm just established enough where it's just like, I do whatever I want. Are, are you rebelling right now? Like, is it a little bit of a rebellion where it's like you're forced to wear a suit and tie to work? So you're just like, no, I'm I, just going to wear an outrageous suit and tie. I feel like this is more my natural, you know, <laughs> wardrobe. <laughs> like this is what I would just pick out to wear. And it just maybe took me a few months to get settled in at work. And now, I mean, I've been there for years now. So I, I just feel very comfortable to, to bring it out and, and show my true colors. How does you go they're lucky. You walk out the door like that? <laughs> she doesn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're lucky he doesn't show up in like basketball shorts and a Pelham youth basketball t-shirt. Right. So. <laughs> All right. Anyways, let's get to let's get to the real news. So since we last recorded, we had two huge world's records go down. So we had Latessen Bet Gide breaking the 5K women's world record in a time trial type atmosphere. And then immediately following that, we had Joshua Cheptegei taking down the men's world record in the 10,000 meters, some, I mean, those are some gigantic records going down last week. What do we think, gentlemen? I mean, 
unbelievable, unbelievably incredible. Awesome, awesome, you know, times and races by both of those athletes. What I think the the most impressive part is I'm going to jump around a little bit here, but the most impressive part of what Joshua chapter guy did was this event was kind of built around him and built around a world record attempt. And a world record isn't something that you should be able to, to just call and say, I'm going to go out and run a world record today. It should be a day where, you know, your training's clicking and everything's feeling right, right on race day and you just pop. To be able to just say, on this day, I am going to set one of the toughest world records to, to break. I'm going to do it on this day and have this whole event, have it be hyped up. And then to just go out there and perform and deliver and do it is, is, is unbelievably incredible. And then to have the women's 5k record, uh, you know, get broken as well was kind of like an added bonus. Like we were watching this kind of expecting fast times. Like we were, we were watching this to watch the, the men's 10k record to go down and then to see the women's 5k record go down as well. It was just a, it was just a great, great, you know, day on the track. Yeah, Chapter Guy calling his shot made it that much better. And guys, shame on us. I realized it like as soon as we finished recording last week that we didn't even, you know, preview this. You know, it was supposed yeah. to be, I was gonna say it as when we closed it because the London Marathon just kind of stole all the attention and we were so focused on it. Um, but we talked about it a while ago. Like I, I literally put it in my calendar. It was like Chapter Guy, you know, 10K world record attempt. And then, you know, you tune in and you realize that the 5K one is gonna be on the woman's side. Um, is in danger of going down too. And so it did build up this excitement. We did get distracted last week, but there was like a natural excitement between us and I assume other track fans uh, for this race. And then for him to do it is just, you know, it just makes you respect the call so much more. And, and people can't start calling everything. And then if they don't call, you know, you lose the, but when you're as good as Chapter Guy is and you have that swagger that he has and that confidence to call it, it just, it just raises like the excitement for the meet. And it was better because of it. Trent, I'm going to yeah. disagree with you there real Ooh. quickly. I hope, I hope that we have all these random athletes just calling their shots saying, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to break this record. I'm going to do that. And, you know, it, it, I mean, as, as amazing, as amazing it is to see somebody call their shot and go out and do that, do it. How hilarious is it going to be if you have all these like scrubs calling their shot and just not even coming close. Shout out, shout out to a teammate on my, my softball team that I play on intramural slow pitch softball who gets up there and he just points over the fence and he hasn't hit a home run all year. He's not a player at all, but it, it makes me laugh every time. So maybe you're exactly. right, Steve. Maybe we do need more, you know, shot calling. Love it. Uh, yeah. And the thing that's crazy about this is, I mean, this isn't like, oh, let's go break the how far can I run in an hour world record or like, you know, the 72K like backwards running I mean, these are the most legit world records you can imagine and to have two people go after it and go two for two that's unbelievable that's like the odds against that even if they're unbelievable runners is so unbelievably out of this world um and like i did a little research on because obviously chef's guys you know running the world right now but uh, on gide and and I was like, oh, you know, there's some hype around it, but you know, she's never won like a, a champ, like a world championship or you know, gold medal like that. So I was like, oh, this should be interesting. And then smashes it like with ease, smashes the world record. So that one kind of caught me by surprise. And that's when I realized, like, wow, something, something big is happening today. And then Chet's a guy. I mean, I've said it before, but he is just dominating world records, and he will be the best runner of our lifetime. It's the second time i'm saying that but joshua chapter guy will be the best runner that we ever that we ever watch and uh 
what a bad week for Kenisa Bikele. Just Ooh, a terrible yeah. week oh, for him. Yeah. He, dro- he drops out of London. Then Kipchoge loses. He could have been the one to beat him. And then his second massive world record gets broken by the same guy. I mean, a tough, tough week to be Kenisa Bikele. <laughs> And I mean, I mean, we're getting dangerously close to a sub fourteen fourteen minute women's five k record, which is sure. incredible. Um, which is, I mean, that's going to be unbelievable to see. Hopefully, it's Gide. Hopefully, she can she can come back and keep rolling. Um, it might be a little, you know. And I think we're we're this is the timing for these world records is it's it's pretty good. I mean, they're able to schedule like essentially create these events around going for the world record. We have a lot of international coming up, international competition coming up next year. So you had all these people training to run the Olympics. They had all this fitness, and now they get to do these glorified time trials. Ne- you know, next year we're going to have the uh, the the trials and the Olympics. So it's going to be a lot more tactical. You're not going to see as fast of races, probably not. So the timing was right for this. So it might be another couple of years, uh, maybe longer, before we see anything like this again on the track. But what we should mention, Gide is 22 years old, right? Like she yeah, is, yep. she's entering into her prime right now. So you're right, Steve, that there's going to be some more tactical qualifying type races, some championships to win, but she's got plenty of time. It's not like she's, you know, running out of time here to go for that sub 14. Yeah. And just to like protect our, you know, our hypocrisy here, or, you know, lack of hypocrisy. In in the past, we have like trashed on these time trial type environments and like going after records in this for me the difference with this one if you are going to continuously call your shot and continuously hit it do it however you want obviously i'd prefer these records be going down in real races in real competition to me that's how this sport is done and i'd say 99 percent of cases i don't want to see world records go after like this but like i said if you are going to call your shot and make it happen, then uh, I don't like I there, I can't complain about that, right? Like you just cannot complain about some guy saying, "Hey, on this day, I'm going to show up to a track and break a world record," and does it now twice in a row. That's ridiculous. And uh, there's a huge difference between, and you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, Mike, the historical relevance of something like the 10k or 5k versus how far you can run in an hour, right? I mean, it's just yep. the difference between that is like you know if you say like a quarterback has, has, has more regular season wins than Tom Brady, but Tom Brady has significantly more Super Bowls and postseason wins. That's obviously way more important and way more impressive. Also, it's not like, you know, he missed out on track meet to do this this weekend, right? We, we get mad. Um, you know, some of the, the Bowerman people, for example, doing like their own time trial rather than running in another big meet, you know, what else is going on, you know, this week. So uh, I appreciate, like you said, they called it. It didn't like, interfere with something else and you know someone else could have showed up on the track and tried to beat him if they thought they could hang in this this race also one more thing on this race this this also resurfaced the conversation about the lights because they were a little bit more highlighted on the track i mean you had like the different colors to the i think one was like one was showing like the pace he should be on versus the world record so there was like three different colors there and um the stadium atmosphere was a little bit more dulled down because it wasn't like a a big track meet. So they were, the lights were a little bit more highlighted. So people were weighing in on the lights that haven't necessarily noticed it or, or kind of jumped in the conversation in the past. And I just want to say like, I am so sick of the anti technology, the anti progress people in this sport. Like I, 
I have no interest in this sport being the exact same as it was in, in the past. I want footwear to improve. I want footwear to make me faster, make me feel faster. I want, I want things like these cool lights because it's way cooler to watch on TV and see this guy who nobody can keep up with tracking down the world record against these lights. I want this progress in the sport. I want this technology. And everybody that says otherwise is just an old fart. I mean, if you had like, uh, I mean, he, he still had, and she had pacers in this race. So I think that's like clear evidence that even with the lights, the value of a pacer is still far greater, right? You have somebody who you don't have to think about anything. They can, you know, whatever, break wind for you. They can take any of them. Like they can do, take all the work out of it for you. These lights. Yeah. I mean, sure. You, it's very hard to have a human pace you the entire race at world record pace, because if the pacer could do that, then they would just break the world record. So I get that portion of it, but who cares? I mean, these people still have to run these times. And for us as fans, it made that event much more enjoyable because instead of just watching a guy run around the track by himself, you actually in our mind was racing the lights. So it felt more like a a race type atmosphere. And the difference between, Oh, go ahead, Trent. To be an old fart, I'm not sure I, I love the lights. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a little distracting to me. It's just like too oh, much going on. God. But, 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 but in no way does that diminish like the accomplishment by any means. I don't take anything away from him because he had, you know, and she had these lights on the track that could dictate her pace there. I just, it takes me a minute, right? It, it takes me a while as a viewer to get used to any kind of these new technology changes with sports on TV. I don't think I'm ever like excited for it right away. I have to, I have to get used to it and see how I adapt to it. So you, so your mindset is wait, this is more fun to watch. I don't know if Steve. I have to get used to this. Just, just give me a look appalled. right now. If he's just Steve just looks so appalled oh, at my take. Oh, it right. was frozen. I, honest to my God, back. I could not tell. Yeah, you're back. Steve, okay, so you my, had this like you were already in. It is my internet. Like the death stare when you froze, and now, all right, this time he's actually frozen. In my back, Steve, Trent. That take was so bad that you just broke Steve's internet completely. <laughs> My take, what what I was going to say is, Trent, Trent, are you sitting there watching TV being like, oh, this is more fun to watch? I can't get used to this. I need to take some time to get used to watching something that's more fun to watch. I never, it's, who says it's more fun? It's just like a little overwhelming. There's a lot of lights <laughs> on the ground now, too. It just takes away from like the natural, you know, runner and track. That, that's all there is to it. You know, it's the, the natural part of the sport, the simplicity of it. Um, what, one, one last thing before we move on to the next topic, I think there's in people have kind of compared and said, well, it, how can you be okay with this race and not be okay with, uh, Ellie Kipchoge's time trial for a marathon world record. And my response to that is for the marathon, the course is part of the sport, right? Like the, 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 the elements are part of the sport. The thing with track is track is essentially supposed to be a sterile environment to run as fast as you can. It's, you know, it's a flat circle. It's essentially every single track meet is in some way kind of like a a time trial where the marathon, I believe the course, the hills, the elements is part of the sport. It's not necessarily the case in track. What do you guys think about that part? I, I, it's weird because I don't have like, killer argument to you know go after 
my point here. My I, my point is it just it feels different. The marathon feels different when you create this like crazy like super sterile environment like you were saying where the track it just kind of always feels like that it i mean if, yeah no, if i walk I, I if i walk that, down yeah. to the if i walk down to the track tomorrow and just like broke the 5k world's record how is that any different than doing it amongst other people i, I don't know it, but you couldn't you couldn't go out you couldn't go out tomorrow and just break the break the marathon world record by yourself that's that i can't go it, wow, it's, it's, <laughs> no but i'm just saying i'm just saying like so. the 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 idea between those those two events is is very different when you think about it that way yeah i could i just i don't know why i don't know like i can't wrap my head around it but it just it's one of those things that feels different as stupid as that sounds it just feels different steve steve elegantly made the argument but Mike, you and I can just be the track fans that sit there, and you can just see it with your eyes. You can feel it. If you if you're right. a runner, you know it. You know there's a difference there. Watching a guy, you know, run that fake marathon with like, you know, cutting down the wind in front of him and all that crap. You know that that just felt fake. You watch the track meet; it's not that different than even if it was a big, you know, championship meet. One guy pulls away. That happens all the time, right? Like there's, you know, there's just a difference there. And Steve, you you made it, you made it sound, you know, just just intelligent and i don't feel like i need to make right. it sound intelligent no actually a freaking difference you can see actually try like yeah no you think like think about like other sports right like you might have a uh like like i think about like drew Brees right now right drew Brees, he's still getting the job done and his stats and stuff still look fine and he's playing the game the way he needs to dink, dink and dunk but if you watch drew Brees and watch him play the game and you have for the last 20 years you just can tell something is different, right? He's not the same quarterback he was five, ten years ago. He's not slinging the ball around. He's playing the game differently, and it just feels different. So, so even though the stat sheet might tell you one thing, as a sports fan, you can just watch a sport and watch somebody play a sport and have a feel for it, and that's exactly what this is. It's I me a better watching comparison. it with my eyes. Yeah, do it. I got a better comparison. Oh, God, here comes some crazy basketball comparison. <laughs> You can just watch LeBron win his fourth championship and just feel like that that the this whole bubble thing just doesn't count. It just, you know, it doesn't count. It's not just doesn't feel right. You can just look at look at the Lakers winning another championship and just sense like this just isn't right. You know, it's it doesn't have the fans, there's no home court advantage. This this doesn't count. Whether I agree with Steve or not, Mike you just <laughs> you just blew your analogy out of the water. That's right. <laughs> All right, so our last news story for today, and this isn't something that we've, uh, you know, gone super deep into yet, just because there's been similar stories to this. We've talked a lot about different programs being cut, uh, but, you know, it's hot in the news right now for track and field and, and the running world, so we'll, we'll talk about it quickly here. So Minnesota track and field program was cut, uh, I guess it was like probably a month ago now at this point. And there was kind of like an uprising and people were fighting for it. You had pros who went there, alumni, you know, kind of the, the whole track community rallied around and kind of forced their hand to find some kind of compromise. So the program just announced that outdoor track and field will be reinstated at the university, but indoor track will not be kind of a weird situation here uh you know in on one side of it yeah i mean the community spoke up and forced their hand to do something it was also kind of a compromise kind of halfway there i don't know I, it's definitely interesting situation what do you guys think about it 
it is cross country cross countries is still cut <clears throat> as well right yeah yeah i mean so it's i guess it's a compromise but it's i mean it, track and cross country it's one of those things you're either all in it or it's essentially like a it, i I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but it's like if you're not all in on it, it's kind of like a glorified club team, especially at the D- Division One level. It's like so you're going to have a track team, but you're not going to commit to distance runners um, because if you're not doing cross country, then you can't really have a true distance program. So it's like, what are we doing? And I, it's been like you're, I agree, Mike. It's been, it's been a while since we talked about this just because there's been a flood of, of teams being cut. and It just feels like schools are using this time as an excuse. Like they're, they're kind of piling on. They're using this time as an excuse to like cut everywhere they can. And they're just like, you know, they, they're, they're, they don't need to get rid of these track and field programs. They're just doing it as an excuse to cut expenses. So like coming back at, at it half hearted, I, I don't know. It's, I guess it's great. And especially for the, for the athletes that are, are primarily track athletes that are on scholarship there and not finished their time at Minnesota. Awesome for them. They're the biggest winners. That is amazing. They get to, they get to keep competing and they get to finish out their, their college career at the, at the school they started. But I don't know, it's, it's a half-hearted attempt. Yeah. You call it a compromise, but it's certainly not 50, 50 there. It's throwing a bone to the athletes that are already there. Um, to finish out their careers. Cause it's going to just decimate the program. The program's not going to have any kind of competitiveness to it. Even just at like the big 10 level, uh, you know, in years to come from now, it also like, it makes me think, you know, the decision-making going into cutting these sports, like how flimsy was it that a little uproar, you know, a little conversation has them like on their heels trying to figure out, Oh, maybe we should bring back track and field, like cutting a like, sport like track and field, right. Or, or cross country with this many, uh, you know, athletes and, and just how important that is to so many people it should be a massive decision that should have a lot of thought that goes into it. And they should be talking to these parties beforehand, right. And getting their reaction to what's going to happen. Even if they explain the situation or, or finances, like, it just seems like it's a, you know, they, they didn't put enough thought or energy into this and it was a flimsy ass decision. If they can come back, you know, a short while later and decide, Oh, actually let's, let's bring it back to appease some people. Like it just makes me think the whole process wasn't done thoroughly enough to start with. Yeah. That, that's exactly my point. I was going to get at Trent is they should have exhausted all options before just cutting the program, right? If there, if there was an ability to keep the program, then why not keep it in the first place? And now they're, proving that there was you could move some things around and keep the program the other thing i was thinking is what is the difference if you bring back outdoor track and not keeping indoor track like where in the world are you saving money by doing that i just that math doesn't make any sense to me so it was almost like you know in the the uproar came and they felt like they had to do something. So they kind of like panicked and brought back outdoor, but they obviously didn't think this one. I I just, maybe I'm completely off on this, but if you're going to bring back outdoor track and have the coaching staff and have the scholarship athletes and, you know, the equipment and all this stuff for outdoor track, like where are you losing all this money? Like travel go. Okay. So you travel to like, five or six meets a year like that's nothing to a a university like how are you saving money by not bringing back indoor track it makes no sense to me i think that's an outrageous compromise just just bring in one more student their tuition alone will cover all the yeah no kidding it's insane 
but ridiculous. I, I it, it, and I think we've avoided talking about this just because it's like it was there were so many programs and it's it's depressing and it's like I feel I feel so bad for for these kids, especially the the underclassmen or or even like the juniors or or seniors. Uh, I, I feel bad, bad for everybody, um, but I mean as and 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 I can only speak to to distance running because distance running and track and field are so different and the the students and athletes have such different experiences but as a distance runner it is a lifestyle more than any other sport you are competing year round you have to you you're training an absurd amount every single day and you know you have to be all in and you can you have to be committed especially to be a, a college athlete in distance running um, and to like have it taken away from you, it has to be, it has to feel like a significant part of your identity is taking, taken away from you. And it has to feel like, what am I doing here? I mean, I, I, this is coming from somebody that, that transferred schools to run because I wanted to be part of a program so bad. And it was, it, it was at the time, it was a significant part of my, my identity. It's something that I didn't want to leave school without, without giving it a, giving it a shot and, 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 and making it happen. So to, to, you know, be committed to a school, to have a school tell you like, this is going to be a great experience for you. Come here. Don't come on anywhere else and have that, have that ripped away from you. has got to be a really bad feeling. Yeah. yeah. And, and speaking to my personal experience too, Steve, when I was looking at schools and where I was going to go, I remember one of the schools that I was heavily considering during the recruiting process, I found out that they didn't have an indoor track program. So it was just cross country and outdoor track, which again is crazy. But I mean that immediately, the second I find that out, I dropped them off my list. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, definitely not going there. So, I mean, this is going to kill if you're any kind of legitimate recruit, you're not going to want to go to that school no. here. I mean, forget about it. Like cross that off your list immediately. Can I just say, as a high school kid, like I wasn't even sure I wanted to run in college. And uh, I did a recruiting visit at the probably the same school that you did, Mike, where they didn't have an indoor track team. And I remember my first reaction being like, sweet, I don't want to have to run in the winter. And then as I like, you know, became, ran my senior year, you know, had some success and decided I was going to take the sport seriously, you know, I totally dropped that school. And it shows that only like half, you know, people that are not really giving it their all are going to go there. But it was my first reaction. Like, man, that'll be nice. Don't have to run in the winter. <laughs> all right. So let me rephrase. Anybody who's taking this sport seriously would never right. go to, exactly. to that school. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen, that is all I got for the news. So now we're going to talk to Jacob Thompson from the BAA. Uh, Jacob, he's been, he's been a follower of what we're doing on Instagram. I know he listens to the podcast and he's a guy that we've connected, uh, with in the past. And, it, and it's somebody that who we, we recognize his Instagram handle and we recognize him as somebody that follows the podcast. But I remember we were interacting with him one night on social media. And then I looked at his Instagram. And I was like, wait a second, this guy is a legit runner. He runs for the Boston Athletic Association. We should have him on. So it's always, it's always so cool when we get to have somebody on that, knows what we're doing is you know a listener of the podcast and is you know also a professional runner all right let's talk to him so where where were you camping this weekend uh we're up in new hampshire uh hanover like right next to to dartmouth Uh, okay yeah we went up we went up to go 
to, yeah, to go camping. And uh, one of my roommates from Dartmouth, so he knows like the area real well. And we were gonna like camp like right on the water uh, at this big lake. And then there was like kind of houses. You could kind of like, we were like totally out in the woods and there was like a big sign that said like no fires. So we were like, eh. <laughs> probably not go here so we like watched the sunset over the water and then we we drove like 20 30 minutes down the road down this like long dirt road and then hiked up part of like the at uh appalachian trail and like pitch black like just with our flashlights carried like all our yeah. stuff up and then just because he knew this like other spot that was like it was like 1200 meters up into the woods so we went up went up there and we there's like a big cabin up there where we just like pitched a tent uh next to the cabin because like all the cabins are closed did so, you like mount musalak did not, no. That's the Hanover hike right there. It's one of so, my faves. So that, that transitions very well into my first question for you. So right. there's a video going viral right now of this trail runner getting chased by a mountain I lion. Have, have, have you seen this? I watched it. Well, like, as soon as we got back, I uh, saw it on Instagram or something. It was crazy. So the three of us just watched it. And like it, it's like the most suspenseful, craziest viral video of all time. And so – it, you know, I mean, we're all runners. We yeah, run on guy trails. Is, the guy's like crazy calm during it. He's just like, yeah, I'm big and scary. I'm big and scary. <laughs> walking away. I was like, this dude, I, I'm losing my shit. Right. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think while I was watching this video is how many times I would have died during that six minutes <laughs> because it's like he had the presence of mind to just like walk backwards, which I would have immediately probably started running. He yeah. like was growling at it. He was trying to scare it. I mean. There is, I have zero chance of, you know, competing against this, this mountain lion. And he had the presence of mind to like hold his phone the entire time and record it. I wonder if it was going through his head, like, all right, in this moment, I'm either going to die or I'm going to be like a viral superstar. <laughs> I guess. Either way, yeah. I wanted a camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I would have probably threw my phone at it or something. I, that's the one I couldn't figure out why I didn't like bend down and pick up rocks like sooner. Cause it looked like once he finally did it, that it ran away. But I guess I think that's the only thing you can do. I, I mean, cause there looked like there was some decent sized rocks on the ground. That's, that's the first thing that popped into my mind is why don't you just grab a handful of rocks and start chucking at it? Because that, that thing was scary. Yeah. What if that just pisses it off and then it like, well, what it? else are you going to do? I mean, so I, I, and I was reading about it and it was like, when, when you see uh like a big cat like that, like a, a like a big cat, Oh, you know, of prey or whatever, they are hunting you. You do not see those things unless they are going after you. So that guy, that that cat had one thing in mind, and that was to kill that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he came across as like its cub, like at the very beginning of the video. And I think yeah. it, like that was what when it like eventually I ran out at him. It was just yeah, it was scary. I've been in some like pretty crazy places hiking and running and stuff, and then yeah, that would be horrible. <laughs> Has, has, an, has an animal ever tracked you? Have you ever had any strange animal encounters out there? Uh, no, nothing worse than like some angry dogs, which was kind of scary sometimes, but normally they're not too bad, you know? Yeah. As a professional runner, you know, you're probably a little bit faster than, than our uh, YouTube hero over here that survived the attack. Do you approach that differently? Do you think maybe you're like, oh, maybe I can outrun this thing? Like you're one of the fastest people. Running a mountain lion, so no. <laughs> I didn't know if like the confidence that you have as a runner, like maybe like overpowers in that situation. No, I don't think I'm that confident. A little. Smart. <laughs> do, you think, do you think a mountain lion could run a sub four minute mile though? I mean, they're probably great sprinters, but do you think they can hold that pace? That's a good question. Isn't it like, uh, like any 
humans are the fastest animal over like or i guess it's like horses but yeah over like a long like a long because that's how they used to like hunt back in you know medieval times like they would just like track stuff until the stuff like couldn't go anymore yeah until it collapsed i don't know well that's what we need we need they had what they have michael phelps versus the shark now we need a now we need a sub four minute miler versus a versus a mountain lion. We got one right here. <laughs> I, would think, I would think that I would think that surely it could. It's got know. to right, but but how do you teach a cat like that how to pace? Right? You can't. <laughs> really hard to do. All right, so to change topics here a little bit, uh, I guess I was just curious about what you spent all my money on when we were uh, betting on the Big Friendly. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> I so like I'm from Kentucky, and like we're kind of like kind of into horse racing and stuff, and so yeah. you know, going is like huge in, in horse racing. And like when I watch track meets, I think about like all the guys who work uh, like in the horse farms, and it's like the all the handlers and like carriers and trainers and stuff like it's like me watching track like they have to know they, they watch all the workouts they see the horses every day like they have to know like what's going on like those people have to make so much money gambling i would think like i, I wonder if they just like rack up like gambling For on sure, yeah. horse races because it's like like when we were watching the front like i pretty much like, could predict what was going to happen like you know i know most of these people i know what they're doing <laughs> I mean, clearly, because yeah, a while, but yeah, for the most part, I, I think I think I went like zero for four against you, which not great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think I spent anything in particular. Probably another six pack or something like that. Right. All right, good. That's exactly what I'd want you to spend. <laughs> well, we we were talking with uh with Mac Fleet a couple months ago, and we were talking with him about gambling and sports, and his argument is like there is no reason why track shouldn't be at least as big as horse racing, right? Because, you know, it's, it's essentially the same sport, but you have people involved with personalities that are attached to teams. And to me, that makes so much sense. Like you, you know, when you, when you think about growing the sport, it's really hard to think about, okay, like what's the next goal? Like, where do you want to be? Like, it's never going to be as big as any of the major sports, you know, not going to be football or anything like that, but what's a reasonable goal. And I think saying that track should be at least as big as horse racing is a, is a very attainable goal. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty fair. Like, if, if the U.S. championships could be as big as the Kentucky Derby, that would be really sick. There's yeah. there thousands of people watching the race and tailgating and betting on races. I think that would be super fun. And we, the gambling portion is something we talk about all the time, right, as something that is just an easy win for the sport. We just really don't see any downside of it. Is that something that, you know, you and your teammates have talked about before, or you and other runners out there have, like, brought up as maybe, like, an interesting – you know, thing that could be implemented to help grow the sport. Would you like to see that happen? Yeah. I mean, I feel like everybody's first, I would love to see it happen. I feel like the first reaction from like anybody who's against it is like, Oh, people are going to like throw races, but there's betting in every other pro sport. Like, do you really think like all those people are out there throwing, you know, NBA games and NFL games? Like, I don't, I don't really think that's happening. So I don't see why it couldn't be, you know, translated to, to track and field as well. Preach. And a rising tide lifts all ships, right? So if there's, if there's more money, coming into the sport, then it's natural that the salaries of athletes, the endorsements, that's going to raise. Like if there's just more money in the sport, whether it's from gambling or whatever, it's going to, everybody's going to benefit from it. Yeah. I would be totally for being in horses where there was gambling. I wouldn't have an issue with it at all. Yeah. So well, another same, same, no controversial opinions here. I'm, I'm agree with you. Guys. <laughs> 
So no, another thing that we're passionate about outside of, uh, you know, gambling on running is uh, recently SEC cross country. We've, we've self-declared, uh, you know, SEC cross country super fans because they're like the only ones racing right now. Uh, and you're an SEC guy, former SEC champ. So we figured you'd be the perfect guy to ask. It is, so obviously we know like SEC football has – you know, the crazy fans and just the wild falling. Is there anything different about SEC cross country compared to like the other conferences across the country? Cross country. I don't know if I would say there's anything different, but track is like, it's unreal. Like those coaches, it's, it's even more than just like the athletes. Like the coaches are the most, every SEC head coach is like the most intense competitive person you will ever meet in your life. Uh, like I ran under Edric Farrell at, at uh, Kentucky. He's now at Texas. Great coach, but that dude was cutthroat. Uh, and you know he he would get just he was into the you know he's a jumps and sprints coach, uh, but he was so into the distance races. He was fired up, ready to like knock somebody's head off at the 10k. Uh, and so yeah, I think SEC track and field certainly like. I mean, if you look at, like, coaches' salaries, SEC coaches make way more money than all the other conferences because of, you know, I guess football mainly, at Kentucky basketball as well. There's just a lot more money at, in, like, the athletic programs. It seems like the facilities at SEC schools are, are crazy. And the teams are just historically really good. You know, you have Arkansas, LSU, Florida, Alabama, all these schools that are, like, been really good at, at track for a long time. Uh, so there's a lot of history indebted in that. So I think that's what kind of makes the SEC a little bit, uh, a little bit different. Now at, at Kentucky, I was oh, say go ahead. See it translate more into distance running too, right? Because you have Arkansas has kind of always been the powerhouse, and now you have uh, you know Ole Miss and Alabama has all the good Kenyans, and you know you have a good a good team here or there. So I think it's starting to translate like to the distance side more than it has kind of in the past, but definitely in track and field, like. I mean, there's people – I had several teammates who are Olympians. You don't really see that, like, in in other sports, I feel like. It's college kids who are competing yeah. at the top of the sport. So, at Kentucky, it's it's well known. You know, John Calipari is breaking every recruiting rule and doing all sorts of shady stuff to, to win you guys' games. <laughs> um, is that happening on the cross-country and track and field program as well? Uh, no, I don't think it's happening in, in the, tra- <laughs> the track and field world. Uh, is, that, is that why you transferred? You got a nice big bag of money on your doorstep? Yeah, I told him I wanted a, a blue F-150 if I, <laughs> I came. No, no. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that – the recruiting world is definitely intense, uh, but I don't, I don't think it, it's nearly as intense as it is in, uh, in those big money big money sports. What, why, why did you make the jump, jump from – because you were at NC State, correct? Yeah, so, so I did two years at NC State uh, – I think I left like on, on fairly good terms. I still see Coach Geiger and uh, Coach Seaton out at out of meets and you know, talk to him whenever whenever I can. But for me, like I really wanted to get back. I kind of felt like I got lost there. Like I kind of slept like was slipping through the cracks. And then going to Kentucky, I knew I was going to be, you know, kind of the the better guy on the team. Like it was going to be more focused on that. And also when I when I chose to go out of state, uh, the whole coaching staff was brand new. And Kentucky was not very good. Uh, when I was in high school and I think my senior year as a whole new coaching staff they all came from Stanford obviously really successful there from coach Flo to the distance coaches everybody was came from Stanford so by the time I spent two years at NC State like they'd like flip that program on a dime you know you had Kenny Harrison who's now the world record holder 
uh, Des Bryant, who's an Olympian. There's, you know, all these big time recruits were going there. They were, granted, it was like more on the sprints and jumps, but they'd gotten guys that I had beat when I was in high school had gone there and they were running, you know, eight flat in a 3K and sub four in the mile now. Um, so I was like, you know, I want to go be build something in my home state and be a part of like turning that turning that program uh, into into a powerhouse. And I mean, that's a big reason why I left because like it really meant a lot to me to kind of compete in my home state where I kind of had some expectations and I got to know coach Flo uh, and Sean Graham was the distance coach at the time. And, you know, they put those expectations on me and I really like that. That's so cool. I love the idea of kind of like going home to, to, to represent your, your home school and, and, you know, bring some, bring some competition to Kentucky. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people played it off as like, I feel like it kind of, the story got told, like I was just like homesick and wanted to go back home. I don't really think it was that. Like I just really, took a lot of pride in like where I was from and like it took a lot of pride in like wanting to kind of continue on to building that, that program. Uh, just cause when I was in high school, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good program uh, in sprints or, or distance really. Uh, and kind of see them turn the page all the way around was, was really cool. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I, I've been really crushing it on the transitions here. Uh, speaking of hometowns, uh, you know, you are now kind of living and running and coaching in, you know, where we grew up, right? We grew up in Massachusetts, New Hampshire. And I want to bring you back to 2010. Uh, I am a senior in high school. I am on the number one ranked cross country team in all of Massachusetts. Uh, you know, we got the star studded dream team. Lowell, Massachusetts has never won a all state championship. And I'm about to, you know, be one of the guys who brings that back home. And then we run into Brookline High School, who steals oh, no. it from me, takes it away from me. And uh, me, me and all my high school buddies still talk about, you know, the glory days when, when Brookline, you know, you know <laughs> took, took that away from us. So I guess, you know, you seem like a cool guy and I'm appreciating talking to you, but whether it's unfair or not, you being the coach of Brookline High School, I resent you a little bit. So you're just, you, I guess you just got to kind of live with that a little bit. Well, to be fair, I, I don't, I don't have anything to do with uh, 2010 Brookline. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but it, it's, it, you're part of the program now. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is. That is fair. Yeah. Last, I live right down the street from the high school. Uh, so last year, my first year here, I didn't, I didn't do it. Uh, and then last year, you know, the fall is like kind of a downtime racing wise anyways, especially, especially this year. So I can add extra time. Um, and yeah, I've always, you know, coaching is, is something that you know, I'm pretty passionate about. So I, uh, just like sent an email. I was like, Hey, I live down the street. I'd love to come help out. And yeah, Glennon took me in and yeah, I've got to work with them for the last two years. That's pretty cool. Even though so you're, you not, got... you're not a fan. <laughs> the, the whole rivalry just never, never die. You know, it still never feels die. like it was yesterday. Mike, you said it like they like cheated or something though. It sounds like your team just choked if you're the number one team. So I don't know. Swine flu, right? Didn't swine flu ravage? Yeah, the, that, uh, was, that was the year before. The this year was the, kid, the kidney stone year. But listen, we don't need to go into the deep, dark history of, you know, Lowell High Cross Country. It doesn't matter. Right, we can move on. <laughs> so... so Go ahead, Trent. Sorry. So, Jacob, you've, you're doing the high school uh, coaching here now. Um, you also, you were productive during uh, the pandemic summer here. A lot of us were just running indoor beer miles and such. But you got Thompson training starting up as well. You're showcasing some of your athletes. So what have you got going on there? And, and why should people, you know, check that out on Instagram and follow that account? Yeah. Uh, so I 
a guy, a kid from Kentucky actually reached out to me back in March, like right when uh, this whole mess like started, like their whole season basically got like, canceled right away. And he's like, hey, my school's not practicing anymore. I really like, he was already pretty good. Uh, he'd run like 950 or so in the, in the two mile, like 430 or so in the mile. And he's like, will you help me out? Give me some workouts or something like that. And I was like, I mean, as long as your coach is, is fine with it, like, yeah, it's fine with me. And it kind of started like that. And then, you know, before you know it, like I was kind of just writing his whole like weekly training. And I was like, oh, this is like, I was just helping him out. And I was like, you know what? I could probably like make a little business or something off of this. I got a, a lot of free time right now anyways. So I was like posted something on, on Strava and, and Instagram both. And yeah, at first it was like, you know, two or three people. Um, I kind of, I put a cap on it. Like I don't really want to have more than like 12 or 15 kids just cause you know, I'm kind of still focused on my, on my own running. Uh, but it's something I'm like, I'm like I said, passionate about coaching and, I really want to, like, I had a private coach when I was, when I was in high school. And if it wasn't for that, like, I, I'm not really where I am today at all. Um, he's a guy I still talk to, like, every day and run all my workouts by. So, like, I wanted to, you know, be like that for, for somebody else and, you know, give them an opportunity. And there's a lot of high school coaches out there that are really good, but they don't have the experience and knowledge maybe to, to get a kid up to the next level where he can go run at a, a D1 school or, or something like that. A lot of those, like, borderline uh, kids. So yeah, there's a kid from Kentucky, Jimmy Markey, kind of started working with him, and yeah, he went from 9:54 to 9:14, and he ran 9:14 right at the beginning cross country season on the track. Uh, he's won a couple cross country races, and uh, he's got a couple weeks until the state meet down in Kentucky. This kid here in, in Massachusetts that's just been absolutely crushing it. He actually was at Brookline, so I knew him a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's gone. He's run 14:50 and 14:48 in his last two races, and he's racing a two mile. I think he'd run like 10.03 and in August he ran 9.20 and he's run another two mile this weekend. He's going to try to break 9.10. Uh, yeah, he's, he's the real deal. He, he went to Brookline. He transferred to, to Dexter Southfield in their private school. So their whole season got canceled. Uh, and I actually get to see, he lives like right down the street from me. So I see him a fair amount. The rest of it's kind of like, I just do all online. Uh, but it's really cool to see these kids like, you know, crushing it. And, you know, a lot of it's like stuff I, I used to do in high school as well. So I think it's, it's kind of cool to see them make that same progression that I, that I made like several years ago. Yes. Now, I know you're, you're, you're in the prime of your career right now, but is this, is this something that you want to continue going after, after your, you know, your, your running days are, are over? Do you, do you see yourself as like a career coach? I think it's something I'll always be or want to be involved in. Uh, you know, I feel like every like professional runner at some point goes and dips into like coaching a little bit, but coaching, like, especially like college coaching, it's, it's really hard to get your foot in the door. And then once you do, you got to hop around forever and make hardly any money. And I don't know, I've, I'd like to use my finance degree at, at some point and may, hopefully make a little bit more money. Than <laughs> we, that. We, we talked to Danny Mackey a while ago, going on a year ago now for head coach of the Brooks Beast. And he said that he, he applied for, I think it was close to 300 coaching jobs before he, he got that interview. <laughs> so it's, I, I get imagine, I imagine the coaching world's brutal. Yeah, I mean, I, I have some friends in it who are, you know, better runners than I am. And, you know, they still have, like, a hard time getting the right job. And even if they, even if they get a job, it might not be in a place you want to be. And even if it is a place you want to be, you know, your head coach might get fired tomorrow and you might be out of a job. So it's yeah, definitely uh, it's definitely kind of a nomad's life until you kind of get your roots down in a place. You could be like uh, Coach Geiger at NC State. He's been there for, I don't know, 40-something years probably. Yeah, you know, I don't think he's too worried about about job security at this point. But <laughs> like most most guys are, uh, yeah, coaching's cool. It's super rewarding. To see people get better. 
always yeah it's always fun when people run fast and especially the high school kids it's like it's a lot of fun to see them kind of like take the next next step and like see the, the lights click when they figure out like oh this is something I'm good at like this this makes sense I understand this now so this transition's not as good as my other ones, but um, you, uh, your Twitter game is pretty good, and I, I generally like to analyze people's Twitter game. You can get, get a pretty good sense of sense of humor. And uh, but there's one tweet I, I guess I just need a little more information. So he said, "There is no better clothing item in the world than gray cotton hoodie." What do, yeah. you, what do you mean by that? Like gray cotton hoodies are the best clothing item you could wear i have like i have several gray cotton hoodies but why like explain yourself i don't i don't understand this like, like most i was i wore one camping this weekend you, <laughs> you can wear one anywhere they go with everything from boxers to like you know khakis and you can do anything in it i could go i can go double in a gray cotton hoodie uh I could go camping in a gray cotton hoodie. I could. You can wear it to the bar. You can. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming. It's right, versatile. Okay. It's, like, it's the most versatile, comfortable clothing item you could possibly want besides, like, I don't know, maybe a good pair of jeans. I think I'd take the gray cotton hoodie over a pair of jeans, though. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> you can do anything from running to going to the bar to laying on the couch. You can do anything with it. All right. I'll and I. And I'm, I'm a big fan. We've, we've actually talked about it on a podcast recently. And, you know, you get that cold day and you don't want to, and you're just going to do a shakeout. You're not doing a long run. You're just going out for a, a few miles to loosen up the legs. To me, there's nothing better than throwing on the hoodie. It's not super technical. You're just throwing on the hoodie. You go out there, run around the cold. You feel like Rocky. Exactly. You get, you get your, <laughs> you just throw some, like shadow boxing while you're out there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be my. I used to. I used to double in a gray cotton hoodie in college a lot. Yeah, I don't now, but I should, maybe I'll bring it back. <laughs> I love it. I'm also impressed that you, I, I feel like my Twitter game is really poor. I always like read Kyle Murray's tweets. I'm like, that, that's a funny guy. I should. I don't do see. <laughs> I I don't I don't need the like purposely like always trying to be super funny. I just like the the little nuggets of information, some like just random, like, you know, one sentence tweet that, you know, I, I got a whole list of them. We don't need to go down the whole one, but uh, you know, uh, we'll stick with that one. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. There was a recent tweet that was, Oh, I got, Oh yeah. No, I did the same thing. You said, you you know, you got your paycheck or something and you're ready gearing up for a big trip to TJ Maxx. I mean, besides (laughs) the gray hoodie, what did you buy at TJ Maxx? Uh, I bought three candles. Three candles. Oh, all right. It was like it was right when like fall hit and uh, yeah, I needed three candles. I got uh, cinnamon stick, which I is a really good candle. Uh, oh yeah. Autumn leaves, which are pretty solid, and I got like a pumpkin one, and uh, I could have done without that one. You just all falled up over there, all the fall scents. Yeah, it just I get in like I get in some mood sometimes. Teach him too, because you can get any. I I also got a, I got like a giant bag of gummy bears, because. <laughs> They have like really good snacks, like really cheap. Uh, Just the essentials. <laughs> so, so, so you're you're living in Boston now. You're you're coaching at Brookline. It, you know, it seems like you're really embracing the Boston lifestyle. I see you, you know, rocking, you know, Red Sox hat on social media. You're all about free coffee day at Dunkin'. How you like living in Boston? It's pretty solid, except for like days like today. I don't do well with days like today. Uh, like one of my uh, 
roommates, he moved here in the middle of the summer. And, like, the weather's just been, like, pretty much amazing since he's been here. We're, like, we used to have a joke, like, every Tuesday morning. Last year, we used to do a bunch of grass workouts on Tuesdays. But, like, every Tuesday morning was just like today, where it's, like, 45, 55 degrees, raining and, like, windy. And they were, like, just the most miserable workouts. And so today, we went to practice, and I was, like, this is what I've been talking. Like, I've, I've been hyping you up for, like, a day like today. Like, this is the day that that you finally get to see what Boston weather's like. But even How so, many years have you been here for now? Uh, I just started year three, so I'm like a month and a half into year three. Okay. Um, the snow doesn't – like, I feel like the winters haven't been as bad as I thought they were going to be. I was just going to say, you haven't, had, you haven't had a brutal yeah. winter yet. And it, we, we, we're gone, like, a lot to the winter. Yeah. Anyways, like, I'll go home for Christmas, and then I'll go straight to training camp, and then I'll go straight to a race. So I'm normally gone, like, all of January, most of December – uh, a lot of times, like February, I feel like is like the worst. February, or March, yep, it's just like that slushy cold, and that's not any fun. And also the darkness when when daylight savings, like November first, sunsets at four thirty, and it just doing my. I really don't like doing my doubles in the dark, but I yeah. pretty much from here on it, from here until whenever daylight savings flips again, I'm gonna be doing them in the dark. <laughs> I will say though, Boston is an awesome night running city. Yeah, you, get, you run on the other side of the Charles. You get the you get the uh, the skyline all lit up. It's a very cool city to run in at night. Yeah, I live right on the right on the uh, Emerald Necklace, like the Riverway, right next to Jamaica yeah. Pond. And there's there's no lights around Jamaica Pond or the Riverway mm-hmm. until you get up towards the Charles. So maybe I should drive up there. But I'm just like throwing my hoodie and you know go up straight out the door. <laughs> Here's the hack. What I do is you drive over, drive up to MIT, the MIT track. And they got the alleyway, the, the street that runs next to the MIT track. There's all meters there. So I park there and I run along the river at night. There we go. All right. I'll try that. I'll, yeah. I'll try. And you get the track so you can do strides or a little workout after you run. It's great. All right. I'll, have to, I'll dial that one up in the next, the next week or so. Yeah. So, hey, this has been a, a long time coming. We love having you on. You know, it's, uh, it's very cool when we get to interact with somebody on social media that kind of follows us and follows what we're doing and then get to have them on the, the podcast. But like I'm sure you know, before we let you go, we end every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Down the home stretch, your topic today, since we kind of talked about the top of, top of the show here, is we're going to give you some gambling lines. Trent's going to hit you with the first one. Let's do it. All right, Jacob. I got the line at plus 500 that you have the fastest 5K PR for anyone with bleach blonde hair. Are you taking it? No. <laughs> one of the uh, – I feel like there's got – like Stuart McSween or somebody has – Yeah. We were, I was like quickly brainstorming Mike. Am I missing anybody real quick? Is there an <laughs> obvious one? So maybe that's it right there. All right. Over under two and a half. PRs in 2021. Does a new event count as a PR? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I'll take I'll take the over. Ooh, okay. All right. I like what, it. What I'm event we figure thinking? out which way? I'm trying to figure out which way. <laughs> I think uh, I'm probably gonna be up. Okay. okay. All right. All Interesting. Right. Well, that's a good that brings me to mind then. Uh, over the next year, highest mileage week over under 99 and a half miles. Uh, in the next year? Yep. In the next week, I can tell you it's going to be over. Okay. Right. There you go. 
All right, we're gonna we're gonna ask you for a line on this one, right? So, what is the line on the Brookline High team recreating that 2010 <laughs> magic and taking the the conference or division championship? Well, everything's everything's canceled this year. So, is it only dual meets? Yeah, it's just, we have like three dual meets, a virtual meet, and like a time trial. Uh, so zero then. So <laughs> hammer off the board. Hammer that they're not gonna. We did lose. We lost three of our top five. So we thought we were gonna be really good this year and our number one number two and number five kid all transferred because brookline went oh. on school. so they all went to they all went to private schools that are in person that was a brutal, brutal blow a blow to the team but that's terrible uh, yeah. that's bad that's rough I, I would have to say your your team might be able to pull it off on, on what we <laughs> all right so i got a i got a little a line that's a little bit out there over under one and a half marathons run in your life over okay all right so so i think i think that you know you kind of hinted at that you might be going a little bit longer in the future over under two hours and 15 minute marathon in your lifetime i would really hope under okay all right all right yeah I, so I we see I'm we sure. see that we see where this is going yeah all right i think that would be competitive competitive marathons yeah i'll put it that way <laughs> All right, let's see here. Which one do I want to go with? All right. Oh, man, that one's not going. All right, we'll go over under 515 beer mile. I'll have to go over. I would, wow. I would be horrible. Uh, I was debating with Steve before. He was trying to tell me you'd be way over, and I, well, it wasn't I that- had all the faith in the world. I was yeah, trying to explain to Mike that running a fast mile doesn't mean anything for the beer mile. Yeah. And I believed in him. I got some friends who like can't break five minutes in a mile and they would, they would crush me in, in the beer mile because they can put their beers down much quicker than I can. It might be over, us. Over a long period of time, I can consume a lot, but I'm, I'm definitely not your chug guy. Trying to hit him with the last question. All right. If the Kentucky website is up to date over there, their athletic site, you still have the uh, 5K record, the outdoor record there. So I'll put it at minus 150 that you have it in three years from now. You taking it? Yeah, I'll still have it in three years. Love it. There's there's a confidence right there. (laughs) Doesn't have for the beer mile. We have it for that. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. All right, that interview with Jacob Thompson is brought to you by the Harrier. Guys, you got to get to the Harrier on Instagram today. Their new line dropped today they got sweet stuff full transparency we're recording this before the drop dates i don't know what it is but i'm sure their gear is sick their gear is always sick they're they shout out to you know relevant culture stuff and and running they got some hilarious stuff they got some must-have shirts so get there right now drop the promo code p2e for 10 percent off on this drop hit them up tell them you're a friend of the program and they're going to hook you up with 10%. So get there now. Fun conversation with a guy, Jacob. Um, man, that, that, that mountain lion video, if you guys haven't watched it, go check, go Google it. it. I think it's like, you know, mountain lion chases runner for six minutes. Most intense six minutes you ever watch. So crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, like we got a couple things coming up. We got like we talked about at the top of the show. We got the we got the race. So you know, get your two teammates, sign up. It's gonna be fun. It's free. 
There's going to be prizes. And even if you're not in it to compete, we're going to have prizes for, for doing challenges throughout the month. Um, so everybody's going to have a chance to win. And yeah, put in a review and get a P2E tattoo on me because, you know, that's how committed I am to, to growing this P2E brand. Other than that, P2E tattoo or non-P2E tattoo. Put whatever you want. Yeah, Steve said yeah. whatever. Well, no, I, <laughs> did say, I did say it has to, it could be whatever, but it has to be P2E related. Okay, we Listen, can make it work. Yeah, I was going to say, write whatever you want, and me and Trent will find a way to make it P2E related. Where I, I, I have faith in us that we can, we can make that happen. All right, let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? All right, so it's October. We're getting close to Halloween here, and something you may not know about me, I'm a big scary movie guy. I love me some horror movies. You I are? J- oh, dude, love scary movies. Big horror movie guy. Um, the problem is, and I, I do like bad horror movies, right? Like there's some, some charm in bad horror movies, but there is so much garbage horror movies out there as well. So I need some suggestions going into this, you know, Halloween time. We're, we're coming down the wire here. I'm going to have at least one weekend where I'm just going to crush like six of them. So if you guys have any good suggestions, hit me up in the DMs so that I can, you know, prepare my arsenal for a good Halloween season full of some, some good horror movies. Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? I just want to take this time to make fun of Mike for a minute. I was going to go another direction here, but um, I think last winter I uh, sat down, me and my uh, wonderful girlfriend sat down with Mike and his wonderful wife to watch a movie one evening. And Mike just takes like two hours to select a movie. Like the movie could have been <laughs> done by the time he selected it. So I would just tell everyone to don't send suggestions. You'll overwhelm Michael. He won't be able to figure out what to do. And he's just going to like sit there scratching his head. So um, you're better off just, just letting Mike, you know, scroll through the entire Netflix catalog to, to pick his movie. Don't, don't give him any more. It's just going to slow him down. Hold on. In my defense, I do, if I do recall, I'm not good at selecting movies. I will say that. But if I do recall, we had some movie that you and I really wanted to watch, Trent, and the girls weren't into it. So I think I was just trying to bide my time until they finally agreed to it. I could be <laughs> off on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I'm just going to blame you. Uh, so for my Bell app, I got to give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Josh Tierney. Uh, I forgot to give him a shout out last month, but I just, re- I just remember. He ran the virtual Boston Marathon last month and he ran so hard that he literally ran himself into the hospital so he ran to the point where he passed out he ended up in the hospital because he's so dehydrated so uh you know that it 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 takes a very unique person a rare person to to do this sport and to be able to push yourself to the point where you literally end up in the hospital it's uh you know it's 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 a dumb sport i don't i don't know why we do it but you know you peaked, you peaked too early this year, Josh, better luck next year. You know, he's uh, trained really hard, you know, get back out there and uh, you know, let's, let's get across that Boston finish line. But other than that boys, I wouldn't run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I'd like to say, you know, I like my girls a little bit. Let us send bet. Let us send bet. Good day. Let us send bet. Let us send bet. Good day. Let us send bet.
The Tessin Bet Gide. Tessin Bet Gide. Alright. 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 <laughs> 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 <laughs>